0: Un check in my list. We'll check it again.
1: Welcome back to the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. Thank you guys for choosing to tune in and spend your holiday season with us. So cozy up by the fire and let's talk about some of the real gifts in the magic of the season. Gifts being good films?
2: Yeah.
0: I was hoping we could talk about some good films. oh. <laughs> there's,
2: there's a couple of them.
0: I de- I definitely watched a couple.
2: You can't really beat Krampus.
0: I have a contender. I also have a contender. Let's duke oh. it out. Well, I I watched a ton of these, and like none of them really capture the the Christmas feel as much as Krampus does, uh, and also follow through with it being a good movie. It seems to be like one or the other, and any of these other ones that like are a good movie have Christmas themes sort of peppered in just to like sort of showcase the juxtaposition between like a wholesome holiday and then like the horrors that are actually happening where they will like they'll take place around the holidays or like they'll have a decorated setting but i find that like it's so hard to to do both i definitely agree with you and the juxtaposition is
1: such an important part of what makes a good christmas horror Because you get those awesome moments like tragic accidents and horrific, brutal murders set to Christmas songs. Everything about a good Christmas horror film should be how the tension of the holidays is reflected in whatever this horrific circumstance is. I think that's one of the biggest things that makes Krampus such a leading contender because it embodies the holiday not only taking place on it, but we have all the family tension and sure... Krampus is this big imposing creature that we're aware of and scared of, but the real horror is making it out alive with your family, the tension building up to that.
2: I think the thing is that Krampus manages to keep like the whimsical nature of Christmas and as well like incorporating folklore and tradition. So, like, it's it's wholesome horror, and I think that's what people really want to see around the holidays, because whether you hate Christmas or not, you, you want to feel good around the holidays, so I think that's why Krampus, even though it is a horror, still keeps it, like, whimsical and fun the whole way through.
0: Yeah, you just, like, you you come out of those feeling like, wow, I I am in the spirit, like, I feel, like, invigorated, where, like, a lot of these will, like, bring you so far down. <laughs> like, do you have, did you, have you guys seen The Lodge? I haven't. No. So the lodge, it it takes place at the time leading up to Christmas Day. Uh, And I think the climax uh, happens on Christmas Day where there's two kids have to spend uh, a couple days alone with their dad's new girlfriend in their lodge upstate. I say upstate, but (laughs) it could be fucking anywhere. Um, uh, They end up getting snowed in a sort of like holiday tension with that where it's like, getting the family together. This will be their first holiday together. They don't know her at all. And the Christmas aspect is only evident in the fact that like they decorate and then it's just standard winter horror. And I feel like a lot of those like pushed their way into, into that. This goes a step further. She's the, the sole survivor of uh, a Catholic cult. She was like brought up hyper-religious and having that against a normal family Christmas creates a little bit of tension there and she's like sort of recovering but it's just like it's a bummer through and through from the top to the bottom i (laughs) I, i love it excellent excellent film i can't watch it around the
1: holidays i think that's also kind of an important element like yeah there's on one hand we have all these movies about christmas cheer and then if you want to get more into the sort of yuletide element of wintertime horror it's bleak it's desolate it's desperate That's why I love Crimson Peak so much and all these Christmas ghost stories. There's the true human horror of being isolated, being alone, being with yourself, being with that human element and not being around any kind of real civilization. Everything is dark. Everything is empty. Everything closes early. There is a... a Darkness to the winter. And if it weren't for these holiday celebrations that we have, there wouldn't
0: be anything to sort of light the way through that dark. A lot of these left me in that sort of like feeling of refractory after the holidays are over and everybody's starting to take down their decorations, and you're just left with like the wasteland of winter. I just, oh, I got chills thinking about that. I hate that feeling. (laughs) But Something that, like, left me with a, a lingering sense of, like, excitement for the holidays. Uh, did you guys watch Anna and the Apocalypse yet? We yeah. did. What did you think? I think we're going to be across the board on this it. one. It was the best. It was Aww. so, so good. Oh my god. I, what?
2: Okay, so, you know me and musicals. I It's always hit and miss for me. And it was so cringy, the music, that I, I literally no, had what? to take my headphones off at one point because I was like, this is too much. It feels like I'm watching High School Musical or Glee or something like that. Which that's what
0: that's what it is, yeah. See,
2: I can't stomach that. It, it oh. genuinely makes me feel so uncomfortable. I, I don't know what it is, but that sort of music makes me feel so incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so that got me a lot. But also, I, my, one of my biggest problems with it, was it was a British film where they were trying so hard to cater to an American audience that they just completely... Yeah, they changed so much. Like, high schools aren't like that. Not here. That was, like, them pretending to be an American high school. Like, even having, like, a Christmas play. We don't do that. Or a Christmas show or whatever. Like, having the whole, like, jock and nerd type stereotypes is not not a thing. That's an American TV thing. I don't even know if that's a (laughs) real-life American high school thing, but it's an American tv stereotype anyway so that kind of bothered me a lot anna couldn't act i'm so sorry whoever that girl was that was the main character but she couldn't act and it really bothered me a lot
0: oh man i thought she was great
2: i just didn't believe anything it's like one of her friends dies and she goes oh no and then just kind of carries on
0: <laughs> and i was like
2: dude that was like your best friend and you like broke his heart and then you were like oh no he's dead And then that was like, it was just like, move on.
1: I will give you that. I think Dozai tend to lean a bit more toward where you are on this film. I had a great time. But there's a very important character death that just gets glossed over.
0: And which one is that? The best friend. Yeah, Yeah, that fucking hurt my whole heart. And she's like, I have to go. Yeah. Um,
2: The lip syncing was really bad as well. That really bothered me.
0: Believe it or not, sang it all live.
2: (laughs) Well, then that makes it even worse. Because it no, looked, I have no idea. It looked so out of sync, though, and it didn't feel like they were acting while they were trying to sing. It just looked like they were trying to move their mouth so much that they forgot they were supposed <laughs> to emote. The only believable emotion from anything in that whole film was when the Nan died. And, like... Oh boy's girlfriend was like oh my god i tried to keep her alive i'm so sorry and like when he broke down then that was the only thing that i felt emotion from the whole time and that wasn't even like a main character or anything huge to do the story oh and when the couple at the end like Kind of brush
0: hands when there's oh yeah when there's zombies and their hands just touch.
2: That was, Chris that, and that Lisa
1: are the most believable characters in it. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that because even though they're secondary characters, we get so much out of them in the short period of time that we have them. And like yeah. they're separated for almost the whole thing, but like that's where that emotion really comes into play because we know the entire time. Chris's arc is get to Lisa, get to Grandma. And then when that finally happens and everything goes wrong, we feel that much worse for him. Which is also why, even though the best friend death is totally wasted, that's not the important part of Anna's arc. It's the important part of his arc, and it's a shame because, you know, they had their moment just before and... I
0: liked him.
1: Yeah. But the most important thing of Anna's arc is her father.
0: Yes. And they have a very good
1: moment at the end there.
0: For all, like... As a whole, it, it's definitely has has gaps in in the quality, but some of the moments absolutely stick the landing, like you said. And Anna, I a thousand percent agree. It's very high school musically, but like coming, I I have a musical theater background, and like I eat that shit up. And yeah, it's just, I can
2: understand if someone if that's someone's thing, like they would have their mind blown by having those two genres combined. It just happens yeah. that I personally can't deal with it. I, I no, I get no it. I have no idea it. where that comes from, but I just, I can't.
0: <laughs> they nailed, like, teen, like, teen musical style. I was like, oh my god. Like, I, I've, I've lived this, like, this theme forever. But, like, one of the descriptors for the movie was Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land. They're already which saying I that because is... it's British. <laughs> right. I was like, it's a British zombie movie and a musical. And, like, Shaun of the Dead, British zombie movie, La La Land, musical. Like, okay. It is those two things. Mm -hmm. But in quality, I don't know, man.
2: (laughs) I think the thing is, I said it to Anthony while we were watching it, though, that Shaun of the Dead is a great British horror movie because it doesn't try and adjust its dialogue or situations to an American audience. Yeah, like it half is what the it people is, watching that in America, I didn't realize until afterwards were like, what's a Cornetto? And like little things like that. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I didn't realize how much Americans had no idea about like what Tesco's is, where Sainsbury's is, like what's a Cornetto and stuff like that. You guys weren't able to watch that and then go to your friends for months afterwards every time they were going to the shop. Hey, put me up a Cornetto. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: I want that experience. We still do that. <laughs> One of the things that I I do praise about Anna and the Apocalypse is, although they weren't that great of performers, but they're all, like, unknown talents. They're all just, like, new. That's awesome. i love to see that. Like, I I do appreciate that. Except Um, for the principal who has been in everything British. Yeah. He really has, yes. (laughs) One of those, like, where I absorb so much British media, where, like, he was the moment he walked on screen and went, you... (laughs) <laughs> Just,
2: yeah, I didn't recognize him straight away. But I was like, "He's in everything. Who is he?" Oh, and, yeah. and then I read through, and I was like, "Oh wait, he's in absolutely everything." Um, I did enjoy the um, the practical effects. I'll give it that. Practical yeah. effects oh, and some
1: inventive sure. kills. Snowman at the playground. A plus.
0: A, A fucking. Love it, plus. I love, love that it. snowman. It it runs. Did have you guys watched Daybreakers? Yes, yes that's we what were we were thinking about that the whole time. Through. That is what. Uh, Anna and in the apocalypse would be if it was better overall.
2: Yes, completely.
0: Yeah,
1: I was telling Anna the um, the principal takes the exact same arc as the principal yep. in. Yes. Like as soon as they close up on his face, I was like, mm, I've seen this arc before. I know exactly what's going to happen next. <laughs> One of the things I liked about watching Anna in the Apocalypse this year and not any year prior, hyper relevant. Like everything about oh, yes. the pandemic and how it
0: affected <laughs> people
1: and their reactions to it. This was a good year to watch, Anna and the Apocalypse.
0: Yeah, for sure. That high on my list for this year. I'm I will watch it again before the end of the season. I'm I'm in. I I liked it. It'll become an annual watch for me yeah. and I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> if, I
0: think I'm watching that's it again your this thing, Tuesday.
2: That's fine. I didn't like when I said I hated it. Like, that was way too strong. It just makes me feel so uncomfortable hearing people doing musical stuff. Every time that it just sort of did that little, like, do-do-do, and I was like, no, they're going to start another song. Like, I was just getting into the story a bit, and now they're doing a song, and...
0: I had the exact opposite of, <laughs> of feeling, where it's like, the, the reason people sing in musicals, it's when you can't convey what you want to say in dialogue. Or how you're feeling internally, you sing when tensions are too high. But
2: that's that's literally just doing dialogue, but with a different pitch to your voice
0: and themes. It's it's just I got so excited. I'm a
2: Shakespeare person, so I'm like play. I'm like say it dramatically. Do not sing it. (laughs)
0: Like sing it to me. I want to hear your song.
2: (laughs) Pros before hoes.
1: I like that. That is how the musical functions it's when tensions are too high and words are not enough so Mm -hmm. like sure you could say it dramatically but it's not enough you need to express it in the fullest way possible with a fully choreographed number a big part of the reason why i think anna and the apocalypse really hits the christmas mark so well three things it hits every single beat of a zombie film this is romero to the t it hits every single beat of a musical every single beat of a traditional hallmark Christmas movie, and I think that's where a lot of these things fall short. I think you need that hallmark element. you need that structure to reach full Christmas hokiness while still being a Christmas horror film.
2: I've never seen a Hallmark Christmas film because we don't have Hallmark, but also they look Th- they're all terrifying. The same. What are the the like the main points
1: so in the traditional Hallmark Christmas movies, you'll usually have like. Color scheme is green and orange. Uh, orange. Halloween, sorry, I'm still in Halloween. You're now. trapped in there. <laughs> cool. Green and red. So you'll have main characters wearing those colors, and that's how you know that that's your main character. They're wearing those colors. Or their names are things like Nick and Holly, or more specifically, Anna Shepherd, Steph North. Yep. Was John's name not John Snow?
2: So like everything about the main character down to their name is Fiend Christmassy.
1: To Christmas, yes. Wow. There is always an element of the magic of Christmas. So, like, we joke about, like, Hallmark drinking games. And any time it snows during the climax, that's, like, a traditional Hallmark trope. And what happens in the climax of Anna in the Apocalypse? It snows. It snows on Christmas. And, like, the more that I talk about these themes, you guys are going to, I'm sure, relate to different moments in different horror films where that's been an important element. Even if we go back to Krampus, the major snowstorm comes at the height of conflict.
0: Oh man, I wish we talked about this at the end, because I'm just a downward spiral of bummers from here on out. So am I, and that's part of the Christmas spirit.
2: <laughs> I Yay. watched some good ones. Okay, so one that I watched that wasn't- okay, I, w- I wouldn't say it was great. I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really interesting, at least. And it taught me stuff, which is always good. So I watched Sint, which was released oh, in yeah. Europe as Saints, and released in the yes. US as Saint Nick. How was it? It was interesting. It was. it wasn't bad. It was just like there was some weird elements and the acting was a bit like ah. I was really interested mm. to watch a Dutch movie because, like, I couldn't offhand think of any notable Dutch movies I'd seen. But I found out it's basically all about Sinterklaas, which is the Dutch version of Santa Claus, and he doesn't wear a red suit or ride like have a sleigh and reindeers and stuff. Traditionally, he wears a bishop outfit with like one of those huge bishop hats. Um, oh, and it's, I've like, seen the cover red of and this. Silver. Yeah, and yep. big, and he rides a big white horse. So that's their version of Santa, which I didn't know at all. I didn't know that there was this whole Anglo Saxon version of Santa that I didn't know about. (laughs) So that was really interesting folklore. And it basically starts out with the original St. Nicholas's story in like 1492, uh, where he's the leader of this horrible gang that go around terrorizing people. Like he's a saint, but he has this gang where they just go around terrorizing everyone and like killing people.
1: It was probably before he was canonized.
2: And so all the villagers get really annoyed and kill him in a fire. And there was a full moon that night. It was like December the 5th. So then these thousands and thousands of years later in 2011, there is another full moon on December the 5th. So he comes back with this like mutilated, fire-burnt St. Nick riding his demon horse. And they go around terrorizing people with his little gang again and he basically does Krampus's job of like kidnapping kids and then slaughtering their families uh which is pretty damn terrifying it's- it's kind of worse than what Holy Krampus shit. does. So <laughs> yes, It was a lot. The The special effects weren't great, but they were practical, so I was happy. It was annoying because instead of using a prosthetic on to do the burn on St. Nicholas Face, they just did the same as Michael Doherty's Krampus. It was just a mask. But, but other than that, it was fun. It was all set in Amsterdam, and they kind of played up on everyone being into sex in the town, which was very odd. They started with a high school scene, and everyone was giving out secret Santas, and, like, this girl pulls out a dildo out of the box, and the teacher's like, Yay, that's 12 dildos this year, new record! And they're all like, Yay! And it's like, what? Is that what school is like in Amsterdam?
0: Wait, so it's it's not a period piece? It doesn't take place in the 1400s? No, no, no,
2: no. it shows the 1400s of, like, what originally happens to him and his gang. And then it's, like, the next full moon is, on, is in
1: 2011. Okay, wow, cool. Yeah. So, it sounds like Sint is, like, it's, like, on par... Or like a watered down version of my Krampus contender. Sure, it doesn't beat it, nothing's gonna. But it's a ton of fun. I think I recommended it last year, or I know we at least touched on it. But Santa's sleigh. It is a wild ride. It is so much fun. Basically, Santa is the earth child of Satan in the total antithesis of Jesus Christ. And so he goes around being kind of like your sent. They have this like day of death and everything is awful and terrible. And Santa and the Northern people, the elves, who are these like rambunctious little horror creatures, they go around terrorizing people. So an angel comes down and makes a bet with Santa. Uh, what is that game where you like you lube up the rock and try and throw it across the ice? What? <laughs> They do it in, like, the Olympics and stuff.
0: Curling?
2: Yeah. Sure. That thing. Curling.
0: Right, but it's it's a sport.
1: (laughs) All right, well, anyway, the angel (laughs) challenges Satan's child to this curling match. When the angel wins, Santa has to become good for several thousand years and turn the day of death into a good day. So in typical 80s cheese... This is the anniversary of the bet on the day that it ends. So Santa comes to this small town and he rides a, a hellfire bison. And like they got a real ass bison to pull this sleigh. Like everything <laughs> oh, is 80s man. practical and it's so good. And like it Santa is played by um you guys are going to be better than me at this wrestler Goldberg
2: Goldberg Goldberg.
1: <laughs> all right
0: goldberg so he is santa and wait oh i
2: in, love in the goldberg. 80s yeah I'm pretty but cheesy. he was bad in the 80s
0: goldberg now is the strongest wrestler pound for pound
2: plus he's a sweetheart he has his own animal charity and he does stuff for christmas at christmas for like kids in uh hospitals and everything wrestles a good dude oh sometimes.
1: man sometimes. okay <laughs> man okay so this doesn't speak positively for santa Slay*. santa Slay* came out in 2005 but it feels like an 80s film like down to the grit of the film
0: quality but not like what's the one we talked about on halloween we watched it the barn oh yeah yeah so like not like how the barn is like an 80s feel in a modern movie it's just a like a bad version of that
1: i it definitely wasn't intentional okay so that's fun though it is. It's incredible and it feels like an 80s film in that like regard of how the the practical effects are like definitely over the top blood gore. Santa goes into a strip club and just all hell breaks loose. So all the beats of a Christmas movie when they're giving <laughs> Santa's backstory it's done in claymation just like Michael Doherty did with oh. uh,
0: Whoa.
1: The, the grandmother's backstory. There is the, the main characters are Nick and Mary and Nick Finds out from his German grandfather that he is a descendant of the angel who made a bet with Santa. So now they're like these like Santas in training, like trying to be the good force against the evil. So Aww. it feels like Gremlins. It feels like a uh, traditional Christmas movie, but it has all the good elements of a horror film with inventive kills, really dark imagery and moments, specifically when you see Santa riding his Hellfire Bison down the road and running an old lady off the street, you know you're in for a good time. Oh my god.
2: Is that Santa Slay? as in S-L-A-Y?
1: Yeah. I, I don't okay. remember if I recommended it last year or if we just mentioned it, but I know we did not get to talk
0: about it as much as like, I want people to know this is a great watch. Yeah, you did you did mention it last year or whenever the hell that was. And of, co- of course I haven't watched it yet. I'm saving it up. <laughs>
2: Does that mean we're going to talk about, about the other sleigh?
1: Sleigh Bells? I'm always down to talk about Sleigh Bells. Why? We,
2: we, we had, had some, some conflicting so uh, views on this.
0: All right. Let's go toe-to-toe. Give it to me, Anthony. What, <laughs> okay. what is up with Sleigh Bells? So
1: Sleigh Bells is about- B-E-L-L-E-S. Yes. It's about this group of vloggers who are breaking into an abandoned Christmas town, and they happen upon the secret deeds of Santa and Krampus. Uh, who are basically cryptids in this? So Doza, I don't know why you're not vibing with me here. It's because of the the way the movie is. It is hyper stylized, where like all the the cutaways and the close ups are like super intentional. Pointless. And what?
2: I thought they were pointless. It's even in my notes. My, no. Do you know what my so notes like- are for this film? Degrading, bad acting, and pointless scenes. That's it. That's all the notes I made.
1: It definitely plays up the sexuality of the main characters, so I will give you that. It doesn't really play off as like
2: weak because they're women, so they can't do anything. Yeah, there is that one scene where they're
1: punching at Santa and nothing is happening, and
2: yeah, and he literally holds their head, and it's just like. But he's also Santa. He's so powerful. No, but that whole thing was so like. what was the purpose of those three women being in it other than to have their tits out? There was literally no purpose. It was to make them look weak and like sex symbols and they didn't even like help themselves Oh man we need guys to save us It was just degrading
1: There's no point where they like need guys to save them. Like the the park ranger is nothing. They tase him in the neck And then they ask
2: him to save them
1: Yeah, but still end up. (laughs) They would just say, we
2: need your help.
1: Yeah, help is fine. But they they command the watchtowers. They come up with the plan. They stab Krampus in the balls. They do a lot on their own there. And like, okay, as much as I don't think this is a redeeming arc for women, it was nice to have the twist where this is Mrs. Claus's story.
2: Yeah, but up, she happened to be a bitch, and she needed Krampus' help to feel that way.
1: But she used Krampus. It wasn't the other way around. So Krampus was part of her plan. It's all her plan in the end.
0: I thought the whole thing was just crass and It's so tasteless, crass, I think.
1: But I love that about it. Like, we see Krampus's dong. We didn't need to see that, but like... It happened. If I
0: want to, I can go Google one right now. I'll, I'll find you a good one. This was like, I didn't need to see this. I liked their Practical Krampus. I like Biker Santa.
1: I like that there's an edge to it. It's dirty, it's gritty, and it's fun.
2: No. trauma films are gritty and dirty and fun. So is Velocipasta. So is so many good B-movies like that where, one, it's funny. There was not a lick of funny in that. And they're crass because they're making an over-the-top point. And they're budget movies, so they're just meant to be really silly and ridiculous. But this clearly had a budget, and wasn't funny, and didn't have any, like, point to being crass. I'll give it that the yeah, Krampus looked know. good.
0: The Krampus did look pretty good. And also, uh, props to them for getting Barry Bostwick, who was Brad Majors in fucking Asshole. Rocky Horror. <laughs> I hate you. But like he's largely wasted on on a project like this. I thought like he he was great and I do I do agree I like, you know, washed up biker Santa. But then they just I don't know. I will say he The whole movie feels like a throwaway as washed up biker Santa Claus, but seeing
1: him as washed up biker Santa Claus made me desperately want to see Bill Mosley as like gritty Santa.
0: Oh, so watching this movie inspired you to want to see a better movie? All right, stop. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have watched so much worse during this season. Slaybells Bells was a treat comparatively. I find that hard to believe. There is so much out there.
0: Oh, no.
2: I was going to say there was one I watched that made Sleigh Bells look amazing. Uh-oh. It's called Unholy Night. It's on Amazon Prime. And they were like putting it in my recommended for weeks, they were putting it as one of their Christmas featured, and I was like, okay, this is probably going to be really good. I think it's one of the worst movies I have watched in, god, I don't know how long, and I didn't even finish it. I couldn't, like, I we always have a 75% rule, especially when we're doing a festival. Even if we don't think that we like a movie, we'll watch 75% just to be sure. I couldn't get into 15% of it. Like, it's an anthology, and I just made it to the end of the first segment, and there's supposed to be like another five segments to it, but I couldn't. Basically, the the story I did watch was about a cannibal family on Christmas. The acting was it was worse than Sebels. It looked like it was all filmed on someone's phone, but not in a good way. And then there was this one point where this guy picks up a screwdriver. But it's clearly got a selfie stick on the end because that's there. That's like he holds it like that, and that's the the perspective we get. It's from the end of this screwdriver, and it's clearly a selfie stick because the camera's like up here, and he's holding it like that, but pretending to like oh, boy. point the screwdriver at people. But he was tilting it up as if he was taking a selfie. So it was like, who that screwdriver gonna hit, man?
0: You I look couldn't. distressed right now.
2: <laughs> it was so bad. I think mean, it's just. Yeah, I refuse to waste any more time on it But in case anyone's going to watch Unholy Night Just don't If you liked something about it Please message me and tell me why But yeah, that's all I'm saying on, the whole, on Holy Night And it only came out in 2018 So it has no excuse to be that shit
1: Oh, Alright, do we want to bum rush the bad ones then? Because there's a lot Let it rip. Yeah,
2: let's do the naughty list
1: Okay <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good <laughs> Wow Um. Okay, so On the note of anthologies we all watched All the Creatures Were Stirring, and Anna and I watched that together, and we invited Doza to watch it with us, and Doza goes, no, I can't watch it. My brain died. And, like, into the first piece of the anthology, I was like, did your brain die because it was so bad? Because I want to open the the jack-in-the-box that blows your brains out now. I get that it's supposed to be insufferable for the audience because there's an audience watching a play, and it's super experimental we'll call it and they're visibly uncomfortable but I was uncomfortable the whole time. The only story that was good was Christmas Vampire.
2: Yeah the Christmas Vampire was okay but it was only okay because everything else was so bad um, It's
0: trapped in, in between a, a bad movie and an uncomfortable audience and it, it, it really makes you feel like I was watching this and like nobody's forcing me to watch it but I felt like I was trapped there Kinda forced me to watch it. I said, can we go back? <laughs> That's said, not what
2: happened. No. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony fight, said, do you want to carry on? And I said, oh no, you said, do you want to stop? And I said, no, it's okay. Because he had enjoyed sleigh bells the day before. So I was like, I don't know. Anthony sometimes enjoys this shit. So I'm just going to carry on until he says it's enough. Because when Anthony... Doesn't want to watch a movie anymore. You know it's really bad.
0: <laughs> you got to learn to I'm put your foot judgmental, down. judgmental, and you're probably the you least. You can't keep judgmental. getting away with it.
2: <laughs> so if you want to stop a movie, that means it's real. Like it's the worst. That sec. What was that? That alien segment, though. What was that?
1: Okay, I am afraid of aliens. Like that is my fear. And I was fine during this because it was stupid.
2: They wanted it to be the Twilight Zone and it just, it was a really horrible homage to Twilight Zone. I mean, oh, I mean, she wishes that.
0: she was the Twilight Zone.
2: Right? But
1: like, I get that, like, cool, like, try to hit those Christmas beats because Twilight Zone, we get the marathons on Christmas and New Year and, like, I get that that was the intention and I respect that. I
0: don't
2: think- How good should've... were the
1: effects? How good did those ghosts
0: look? Oh uh,
2: my The ghosts
1: God. and the aliens and all the the bad- I like a good smoky ghost, like a good wispy crimson peak, but these were just like, okay, you're in a robe and we're going to layer you with tons of CG.
2: It made me sad, guys. And,
0: and that's all the creatures we're staring.
2: The people like that have a budget to what to make a movie and there are so many amazing creative writers out there that don't have the money to make a movie and those people were the ones deemed worthy by the universe to be able to put a movie out. It's not
1: about being deemed worthy. I respect anybody who can pull together a feature film because that's a lot. And like, cool, good on you. You brought your vision to life and now you learn. You learn what worked and what didn't and hopefully go on to produce something better. Hopefully, hopefully,
2: hopefully.
1: And let me tell you why I say hopefully. Uh, I fell down a Krampus rabbit hole. Did you guys see Krampus the Devil of Christmas?
0: No. no, there's so many Krampuses. Krampuses? Yeah, so Krampus,
1: Krampus Devil of Christmas uh, starts with a black and white shot of, quote unquote, 1984 of this oh <laughs> Krampus in a robe <laughs> carrying a, a child in a sack to... Um, it's not really even a lake. It's one of those, like, marshy puddles that you get in the winter. Um, yeah. And then he tosses the child in. But, like, there's a lot of those, like, man, I used to do these when, like, in the MySpace days where, like, you, you put the film in black and white and then you put it in negative And then you put it in, like, reverse. Like, I was assaulted with these effects from the get-go. And then, like, it just carries on to be some really, like, it's a cop drama kind of where this detective is trying to get to the bottom of the the Krampus mystery, and the SWAT team rolls in at the end, and they're just, like, trying to open fire on Krampus with airsoft guns, and it was a rough watch. But I did it. And then I did it again because they produced a second one. (laughs) Oh, God. You watched these on Amazon? No, these were on Tubi. Tubi is loaded with everything. I love the fact that Tubi exists. I will suffer the commercials for the quality and content that they have on there most of the time. But the commercials made this hour and a half film like
0: two hours. So so you, wa- you watched the, the first one and you hated it. And then you were like, <laughs> well, they made a second one. Maybe they figured it out. That's always and, my
1: hope. I want to give the yeah. filmmakers the benefit of the doubt. You pulled together a feature film. Good on you. Learn and do better next time.
0: And your tone indicates otherwise. They did
1: not. It was the same thing. (laughs) The acting didn't improve. The cinematography didn't improve. The effects didn't improve. How far apart did they come out? I don't actually know. Let's take a look.
0: I hope they're both in the same year. I hope they just one-two punched it.
1: Krampus Devil of Christmas came out 2014 is the first one. Uh, The second one is called The Devil Returns. Two years later, 2016.
0: You had two years to figure
1: it out. The estimated budget for the first one is seven million five hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. No The estimated budget for the second film is one million two hundred thousand dollars.
2: This is what I mean. These people with these massive budgets.
0: So where does that money come from? It that's that's a lot of monies. Is this like a Blair Witch thing where it's like, I don't even remember hearing about this. Like, did some of this go to marketing? Or is that like Oh, somebody wasted some money somewhere. This
1: feels like that theory about the room, where the room <laughs> was like a secret mafia money laundering project. Where did this money go?
0: All right, who else made your naughty list?
2: The film we watched together, actually nasty piece of work. That that made it on my list. Whoa, no! That that was the one with the the job interview, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I love that movie.
2: No, that just made no sense to me at all.
1: I am not a big Blumhouse person, and Into the Dark has more misses than hits, but Nasty Piece of Work is, like, it takes an element of, like, immersive theater and turns it into this, like, sick mind game of rich folks, but it definitely captures that tension of the holidays where you have these two families who are just trying to do better for themselves and this is their opportunity at work you have this scrooge character who i gotta look up the actor who played the boss in that movie because he gave one hell
0: of a performance
2: he's in quite a lot i just can't name anything that he's in
0: (laughs) i had that feeling i could i couldn't pin him down he oh he's in friends i know your face
2: he's in In friends yeah he's emily's dad and oh shit he was in oh my god he's been in loads
1: Julian Sands, my god, I was impressed.
2: Yeah, I mean, he did a good job, but like, I just, and this isn't even because I despise Blumhouse with every fiber of my being. It's just, I just, I didn't enjoy it. It felt really confused. Like, they didn't really know what they wanted to convey. It felt like the ending was them trying to backtrack from their horrible, I want to say history, but ongoing problems with not respecting women in the industry so i felt like that there's them going look we made a woman the heroine in the end and it's like that's not enough I, mean, I
1: can i can concede that to you because they did not yeah. give her enough screen time or arc to like warrant that at the end no they did a lot more telling than showing where like oh you're a mediator okay mm-hmm. mediate and then she just doesn't ever get a chance to like be given lines to mediate yeah.
2: And to contrast that they had to make the other women look like crazy girls who just I like what money. they did with
1: Missy. I really like Missy's arc. But they even did that with that the
2: way. Th- with the wife as well though. Like with the wife of the boss. They did they did made her out to be crazy as well because she didn't want to be treated badly. That was their whole thing. They wanted to make one woman look okay, but they had to make the others look like trash and look like women are crazy if they have emotions or if they don't want to be treated badly and things like that. And, I don't know, I think because it came from Blumhouse, I took it very, like, I I watch out now with Blumhouse for things like that. Blumhouse have insulted every woman in horror to, like, their core with what they're doing um, and what they've said. So everyone's going to be on the lookout for the way that they portray women. It might just be I mean... me being, like totally triggered by them but
1: yeah no that's fair it's fair to look at the company for what the inner workings are i i think that they did a good job with fixing that in missy i think she starts off as like crazy and whatever but they give her a moment where she has to emotionally break down and she shows who her true character is which is leaps and bounds from her original character but i do agree with you that they totally reneged that from the boss's wife kiwi by making her solely part of the act without spoiling too much like we are on the verge of getting something real from her before it's all just a part of the boss's plan
2: but even missy in the end like at the very end goes back to being like all i want is money and this is my sweet husband they like try to give her a redeeming quality and then they reel it back
1: they i think they do that to all four characters in the end though because everybody is proven to be a piece of shit in that final moment and i think that's supposed to speak for what these major corporations are like around the holidays this whole thing starts with like these middle class people looking to get just a christmas bonus One of them admits that he's living beyond his means. The other one admits that they're scraping to get by. Meanwhile, they work for this multi-million dollar corporation. And in the end, we meet all the bigger figureheads of this corporation who are the absolute biggest pieces of shit because they're hosting this murder game, basically. They're given the opportunity to say, like, okay, like a choice can be made here. They can either turn everybody here into the cops They can try and murder all of them, take a bigger slice of the pie, do something better with the corporation, because it's just a bunch of old white men anyway. But in the end, the option that they take is, unanimously, they're all going to agree whether or not it was presented as just letting the woman who becomes the executive at the end. They're all there in that moment. They could all argue their point for who it should be. They allow it to be her, and they're all set up for the better for the rest of their lives with this company. So they're just as much a part of the problem as who they're blaming
0: to be a part of the problem. Ah, uh, the moral ambiguity of celebrating the holidays. So, I have, I guess, several points to make that I'm afraid, I'm afraid to bring up. Have you guys watched Black Christmas, the new one?
1: I couldn't bring myself to do it. I like original Black Christmas. It's not one of my favorites, but I just out of all the other films that like, I could be watching, I wanted to watch something
2: new. I'm just not a fan of the original Black Christmas, to be honest, so I didn't bother watching one.
0: I love the original Black Christmas. I thought I thought it was fucking great. There, we have a very good final girl in there, and the black Christmas that came out in 2019 18, 2019. Yeah, oh my God, that was last year. Jeepers creepers. It
1: got swept right under the rug. Um, and we'll talk about that because it's also Plumhouse.
0: Yes, I, I almost wish they didn't call it Black Christmas. Because it's not that movie. It is like it hits some of the the beats that the original Black Christmas does. Like it's sorority house. There is a slasher, but then it it goes on beyond that. Uh, and the the first sentence of the Wikipedia article about it will spoil it. And the fact that it is a supernatural horror movie. Oh, wherein right. yeah. So it flips from a uh, a slasher. Whereas in the original Black Christmas, the uh, the lead Jess is going through uh, a very touchy issue, wherein she she has an abortion. The main character in this uh, Black Christmas in 2019, she was uh, a victim of a rape by a, a frat guy, so she's dealing with that and she has PTSD from that. And then she finds out that this guy is coming back to the school for like the Christmas like get together that the frat boys are having, and then you find that all the frat boys are part of like a literal cult. I love that. Trouble. And cold, cult, cult was cool. I was like, oh, okay, like it's black Christmas with a twist. And then university has been, was founded by like an infamous misogynist to the point where like the women on campus filed a petition and they got his, uh, his statue removed from campus. They were like, get rid of it. We don't want to see it. But then the frat boys start, praying to it and worshiping it and it emits a black ooze that is a physical manifestation of toxic masculinity and it makes you a misogynist so like they they go along the lines of like you know toxic masculinity isn't isn't learn uh sorry toxic masculinity isn't inherit it's learned and it's taught like i thought that was like interesting and the the whole film has has a tone of, of feminism Uh, about it where all the girls are fighting for equality and it's sort of just like it gets flipped on its head a little bit and I was just like waiting for for the moment I was like I was like waiting for the moment for like oh the 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 love interest guy is gonna save her in the end and like one of her sorority sisters comes and saves her but then the the guy comes in and does save her from getting killed at one point but I was like there it is but this is like a, (laughs) a very very weird sort of trip of of showing like the ooze is what's doing this and it's sort of like tongue in cheek like this is the this is fucking american rape culture this is american fraternity culture like this shit happens and it's cool that they're like shining the light on that but it's like this was not black christmas if that makes sense
2: yeah i mean we get a lot of that with remakes i was just gonna say it sounds like the content is why it didn't get good marketing from Bumhouse.
1: No, I'll tell you exactly why yeah. it didn't get good mark. Well, yeah, the content because it is anti-misogynist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the director?
1: Is a woman. Right. That's uh, exactly Sophia why. Takal?
0: Sophia Takal, yeah.
2: Cause that's what they've done with the craft now.
1: They they swept the craft under the rug with their remake. It's just this ongoing cycle of giving these female directors a chance in Into the Dark, because it's straight to TV and then snubbing them when it comes to the bigger productions. However, Black Christmas did get a theatrical release. They just didn't push marketing.
2: I didn't even know it came out.
0: The director, Sophia Sikhal, she also directed New Year, New Me yeah. from Into the Dark. So that's two productions, uh, two Blumhouse productions that she's been a part of, both about you know, strong women standing up. This is not so much a a remake of the original Black Christmas, but what the Black Christmas Sequel should have been. I think. Have you guys seen that one? I didn't know that a sequel existed. It's it's Black Xmas in two thousand
2: six. Nope. Oh, I just thought that was another yeah. remake.
0: It is essentially, it, but whereas the the ending of the first Black Christmas in seventy four leaves the ending uh, sort of ambiguous as to what happens with the killer at the end, this gives the the two thousand six one gives them a backstory and fills in all those holes and they have a conclusive end and it is a shitty movie (laughs) and this is thematically similar to black christmas this is the the quote-unquote remake it should have had but i also wish it was called something different trying to like because black christmas is is such like a, a staple for for a lot of people it becomes like some of the definitive slasher for uh, a lot of folks out there, yeah,
1: it becomes hard to separate yourself from that. And now people are going to look at your film as a direct mirror with that rather than. Like, yes, it makes
0: it'll make people more hypercritical of it. And if this is strong enough to stand on its own legs, and I, I really wish they had. I mean, I'm
1: uh, sitting right here as an exact victim of that mindset where I did not bother watching the new Black Christmas because I wanted to watch something new. So I missed out on that. Because I thought, okay, just it's Black Christmas again. I've already seen Black Christmas.
0: Yeah, I, I like this one. I, th- I thought I thought they did really well. Uh, I thought they they handled the, the PTSD really well. I can't speak as a woman, so I absolutely won't. But it, it was one of those where I was like, good, I'm glad somebody's fucking saying this. Because especially in horror, it's just like, these are... Women that are part of like a sisterhood, like in the sorority house, lifting each other up, making each other strong, and it was so cool to to see them stick together through the end of this movie. Like it's us, it's us, where we are women. And I was like, hell fucking yeah, man, good good Anya. But it's not Christmassy enough for me. Oh yeah, and everything that you said, I am trying to like. It just takes place around Christmas. It's so there there's like they have like a Christmas talent show at one of the frat houses and like the girls dressed up as, as Santas and they sing like a song. But it's like, um, oh, I can't think of the name of the song, but it's like a, uh, a pun about one of the Christmas songs. And they sing it about how that their one sorority sister got raped the year before in front of all those frat guys just trying to shine the light on it. And then like they're decorating and the, the campus is sparse and they have no security there because people have gone home for the holidays. So there's like one security guard on duty and like that's the Christmas aspect of it. That's as far as it goes, but it's like it's lit and it's shot very well. Uh, so you have the Christmas motifs behind the horror that's going on in the foreground and like that juxtaposition. Uh, fuck me, juxtapachicken. Is that the word? <laughs> And that juxtaposition is 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 done very very well, and I thought it was it's definitely worth the watch. Awesome uh, I, I I will watch it again this holiday season. I want to show people this movie.
1: It's weird that we're on this train where now Blumhouse has kind of dominated the Christmas conversation because we do have to talk about Pooka. I can't believe we didn't talk about that at all last year.
0: Because Pooka's so fucking good. Yeah. And we got, we got, that, that is, that was my contender for, for Krampus to, to go to, 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 ah, my brain is dying. It's because you watched fucking all the creatures were stirring. Yeah. It's killing me from the inside. I can feel it in real time.
2: I tried really hard not to like Puka, but I did like Puka. It did take me a minute. Even after it finished, I went, meh. And then I sat and thought (gasps) about it. And then I went. Right, yeah, it was really clever. Yeah,
0: puka me, puka you.
2: It's very triggering. I would never watch it again.
1: I said you did exactly what we did the first time we watched it, where the, we were like, okay, that was good. And then the more we sat and thought about
0: it and talked about it, we were like, oh, oh, oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It
0: grows. The, uh, the and not anachronistic, the an chronological order that they show the film keeps you twisting and turning and guessing until the end and actually if you haven't seen puka just go pause this real quick go, see, go watch puka it, 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 yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's on hulu be
2: warned it's triggering it, 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 it's triggering for abuse and also triggering if you have an intense fear of furries <laughs> i i genuinely was trying to hide a lot of that film it's freaking the hell out for the furry aspect but also triggering for for abuse victims as well um, yeah yeah, But it was surprising to see a Blumhouse movie show the horrible effects of toxic. Like toxic to- 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 masculinity. because we watched all the
0: creatures were stirring. You know, they're they're peppering them in throughout now, and I hope we can get more of that to sort of overflow. Over, I'm catching the bug. <laughs> I'm sorry. Get more to overthrow the the volume that pulls so hard in the other direction puka i thought was great puka as a character is very interesting he's absolutely and
2: terrifying
0: he's so scary it's
2: so terrifying and like it wasn't until i said to anthony like why does he have to look like that because i'm scared of fairies in general Not, no offense to fairies but it, it's just something that terrifies me as people in big fairy costumes it doesn't matter if i'm at disneyland like people in fairy costumes freaks me out I Um, loved
1: watching you piece together Puga's appearance, though, and why everything happened the way it did.
2: It wasn't until I said, like, why does his mouth have to look like that? And then, like, Anthony kind of looked at me like, hey, pick it up. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, his eyes are the flashlights. And his mouth is the car grill. And it just all kind of went, ugh into my brain yeah puka
0: seeps into your your inner psyche
2: yeah so i thought that was incredibly clever i also thought it was really clever that like when his neighbor looks at the christmas tree and hears all the crashing and i went to ask me what the hell is that all about and he was like i don't know and i was like okay that means it's gonna come up later i'm one of those annoying people that does ask questions when i watch films i can't remember when it was towards the end but it was some point towards the end before you find out about the car accident that i went Oh, that's what the crash sound was. Look at all the pretty lights. Accident Yeah, that's when it was. Yeah. And I was like, that's what's about to happen. But there was like it's
0: absolutely chilling.
2: Yeah. Because I've like talked about the whole PTSD thing in our haunts episode, I will say again, just as like a warning for people. Yeah, worth a heads up. Especially for victims of abuse, like there is a very poignant moment where you don't actually see any violence really in this film which i also like there was implication of the violence but they didn't make a big point
1: for the performance
2: yeah completely because you got the implication straight away without having to see anything you didn't have to see lots of gore you didn't have to see attacks and things like that but the thing is with the abuse trigger is that it was actually more triggering to have the character like going in and out of being nice and yelling and being nice and yelling and that's that's exactly you know what that is it's the oh but they're a really nice person oh but they just did this oh but they're a really nice person oh but they did this sort of thing
1: it and it's exactly why puka's marketing is you never know what puka will do and yeah. you have no control over it you don't know when this person is going to just snap what's going to set them off what are they going to pick up
2: Exactly, yeah. and when I figured out that was the whole metaphor for Pooker, it was just like this abusive person. I was just like, "Oh, holy shit, that's so fucking clever." But there was I think one the other thing is we I watch, watch him that, the like... whole
1: time as this redeeming character, and then in the end, it is when we get like, "This is who you are at your core." So we're spent. Yeah. we're we're trying to focus on him as being the positive, but you can't do that.
2: Yeah, it, it it actually gets you because you, the actor does portray themselves as this nice guy, and you're like, oh, what a sweetheart, oh, I want him to get the girl. And, like, oh, look at him trying to be a dad to this kid and stuff. Like, it gets you, and then you're like, oh, shit, that's who he actually is. It, it pulls is. out the rug from under your yeah. feet real hard. And usually, like, I'm really good at clocking things in movies, like really early on and i i didn't clock a lot until it actually happened so that was really impressive but the yeah there was a horrible moment when when they're driving in like when the kid says the like oh no the mom says look at all the pretty lights or whatever just before it happens that i said to anthony well it's better that they die that way than die by their dad's hands and i was like oh man that's kind of the point i think they're trying to make but it was just <laughs> like uh yeah it was it was a lot I could never watch it again, just for that aspect. It was very... We watched so many depressing movies this Christmas. Where's all the happy Christmas movies?
1: Not in horror. The happy Christmas movies are on Hallmark.
2: But where's all the gremlins and the Krampus and the family fun?
1: Krampus isn't happy. It was. We just had a good time watching it. Krampus is very it, bleak and dark like felt, the rest of this.
2: But I felt safe the whole way through Krampus, because Adam Scott was there.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Puka is one of the best renditions of A Christmas Carol I've seen. And it was so nice that that was just layered in that way and it wasn't ham-fisted. I can't tell you through all the things that we watched how many times I've watched A Christmas Carol because mm-hmm. everybody just tries to keep doing it and they do it bad and wrong. So Puka was a nice breath of fresh air. Draw some parallels. First of all, um, the protagonist... Is starting off by auditioning for A Christmas Carol, which gives you the lens to watch <laughs> the film right in the beginning. They do this great thing where when he's doing when he's going through his psychotic break, uh, we see Puka disconnected from him. So like, clean and new Puka is the ghost of Christmas past, because everything in that we're reliving his past and watching him relive that which is also the emphasis on why puka repeats things like you never know what puka will repeat you don't know why he's gonna make you relive this moment present is when he's wearing the puka suit and it's like partly him his body but like the puka suit under um over it and like torn up and future is this disgusting oil covered fire beast puka that was like horrific to look at and such a treat so like you get the three ghosts, you get that he has to relive his sins. One of the reasons I like the ending of Puka is you're left with this moral gray area where you've learned that, okay, he gets into the accident, it takes two to tango, he hits Red, his neighbor, throughout this purgatory sequence. But we know how awful he is, and we're wishing at the end that he was the one that died. But instead, his wife and child die and we learn about red that she was trying to be a good mother to her daughter but also had an alcohol abuse problem so it's like that's the character that you want to have that second chance that chance to redeem themselves and live but instead we're stuck with this shit heel
0: we did it puka <laughs> i'm
1: puka just sitting on the bus I love that. I love seeing him do regular things in the puka suit. Except for watching him jerk off in the puka suit. I don't think I needed to see that.
2: Ah. That was not cool. That was just... I'm watching (laughs) it right now.
0: This fucking rules. Whoa. Enhance.
2: So did... Anthony, I know you did, but... Dozer, did you watch... Better watch out?
0: Ooh, yeah. You want to talk about abuse and triggering? Oh, holy mm, shit! Yeah, that's that's heavy.
2: That was like Funny Games meets Home Alone, and those two really shouldn't be combined. But <laughs> I, I I did really enjoy it, but it just was nothing yeah. like what I thought it was going to be. First off, the synopsis for it, if you look look it up online, sounds like a, a home invasion movie. Which so I was we like, we all boring. know how we feel
1: about those. Yeah,
2: exactly. I was like, I'm not I'm not watching through that. But then the trailer came up when I was watching something else and I was like oh that looks like Home Alone it looks fun and the way they presented the trailer is where the boyfriend was trying to get into the house so they made it look like he'd basically stalked her and was coming to like invade the house and then they like flipped it and were like no screw you we're gonna tie you up and we're gonna like Home Alone it and I was like that looks fun and it wasn't either of those things it was funny games but in his house. The, it was a the lot. kid who
1: played the main kid, Lucas. Oh my god. Was so good. Like clearly. He was made either an watch.
2: insanely good actor or an actual psychopath. Like <laughs> he was so good.
1: Everything about him was misleading and intimidating. Like you feel for him, he's the sweet underdog in the beginning. And then he just something in him snaps and he makes this switch and it's entirely believable through and through.
2: But it's not a sudden snap. Because you find out that
1: everything was planned.
2: Yeah, and you find out that he's always been like this. Like, down to killing his best friend's hamster when they were a kid, on purpose. So he's just always been this psychotic kid. He's just showing it. Oh my god, I felt so bad for his best friend.
1: Everybody in that film was really good, really believable.
2: It was just nothing that I was expecting. I was expecting it to be this fun cheesy kind of like fun horror and it was it was so much darker than i expected it to be i think it's because obviously i knew it was like an all teenage kind of cast i just expected it to be fun rather than horribly horribly dark that's (laughs) Um, how they get you yeah so it was impressive how these teen actors managed to convey the biggest fake like range of emotions but also like all of their characters are totally believable
1: Levi Miller, who plays Lucas, I just looked it up, was like 16 when they filmed this. Can oh you imagine God. being that good at 16?
2: They must have let him, like, like you said when we were watching it, they must have let him watch, like, Clockwork Orange and stuff like that for inspiration beforehand. Because he did such a good job of yeah, like, that sadistic twisted kid.
1: There, There's definitely some fun inventive moments in that, like they definitely did Home Alone if it was a horror movie, because uh, all the traps and rigs that they have set up, you're like, oh, like, in other circumstances, this is fun and funny. And even from the beginning, they're debating the paint can from Home Alone, and mm-hmm. we get the, the paint opposite can. effect.
0: Yeah, it moves away from Slapstick and into Deadly.
2: The paint can got me. That yeah, was what sorrowful. that's what would actually happen yeah. in Home Alone. Ugh, never gonna watch Home Alone the same now.
0: Home Alone with real life physics. Well,
1: yeah. there's there's a lot of theories around uh, about how like oh Kevin McAllister grew up to be Jigsaw and shut up, shut <laughs> up. I'm all about that. You know me. I love to combine movie universes, and honestly, it makes so much sense.
2: All right, I'm gonna quickly just mention one that's like, eh, alright.
0: it's alright.
2: actually it was quite good so this morning i wanted to just fit in like one last film before we spoke so i just looked at what was on amazon and uh there was a film called holiday hell and i was like eh that sounds cheesy but then it said they had jeffrey combs in it and i was like cool so i was really stoked about that because generally he's in a lot of really cool shit, and I thought at least if it's sucky he'll save it and that's exactly what happened. he completely saved the whole movie, but it wasn't ad- it wasn't terrible it was another anthology I keep running across anthologies recently, which is is good I love anthologies and jeffy Coombs is basically a shopkeeper who has this one customer come in just as he's closing on Christmas Eve and she wants to find something for her sister so everything she points like it's like a curiosity store everything that she points out like oh what about this what's this he tells the backstory which is this cool little horror short so that's really fun um and there's four main stories which like they're all wildly different genres which is quite nice there's one about uh, a masked spirit seeking revenge there's one about a cursed doll there's one about like a falling down star santa and there's a cult story and it has, I'm, I'm not going to ruin it, because I think you guys should watch it, because it's, it's super fun. But it's got a really cool ending as well, that I was like, oh, okay, didn't see that coming.
0: Nice, I'll put it on my list right now.
2: Yeah, it was super fun.
1: I love when the, the overarching story of an anthology just carries everything home. Like, all the mini-stories can be like, okay, good, but then when you have that final tie-in of that like the main story makes everything worthwhile and fully ties everything together, that's where it becomes the most rewarding and the most satisfying.
2: Yeah, definitely. I love it when the narration from the beginning comes round and just sort of like hugs the movies that it has just told. So that that was a really fun little one to watch. And it's only an hour and 20 minutes. It came out last year. The other thing that came out last year that I wanted to talk about, I know Anthony watched it last night. Dozer, did you see the BBC version of A Christmas Carol? Oh, no i'm
1: saving it that ah. is the best rendition of a christmas carol i have seen, really apart from muppet's christmas carol <laughs> uh, yeah
2: thank you it was a lot like um i, I knew it was going to be dark but i thought it was going to be dark as in like focusing a lot on like the supernatural ghostly element of it but i didn't realize it was going to be dark in terms of like character and backstory and stuff um yeah all the substance is
1: very heavy it is The epitome of bleak and dark and depressing for this time of year. It's three hours long and it was released as three segments each an hour long. There's no good way to sit down and enjoy this because it's long for three hours because everything is very slow moving, but it's all worth it. But then to sit down and separate it into three segments, like if I had to watch this one week, another week and another week. I don't think it would have enjoyed it as much as sitting right through it. Well, like, I watched them episode by there.
2: episode because I don't, I don't know if it was all combined into one film for you. Over on there.
1: Hulu, it's one film, but they still separated right. the title cards of like "Bag of Gravel," "The Human Heart," "The Human Beast." So we still get that it's three episodic pieces. But I don't think that it needed to be. I get for the sake of when it was released, getting families to sit down and watch it together, but like. This is not something that's Families aren't supposed to watch
2: this. Yeah. That's why there was there was quite a big backlash from people over here when it first came out, because people knew it was gonna be dark because obviously it's by the makers of Peaky Blinders and so basically BBC were like, Well, if you don't let your kids watch Peaky Blinders, then don't let them watch this And a lot of people ignored that and was like, Oh, it's Christmas Carol, it'll be nice in the end anyway And a lot of people were like, Hey, why did you put that on over Christmas? We're all depressed now. But it was super clever. It was, it, I was really annoyed at first, in the first hour. It just felt like a really long episode of Peaky Blinders. And I'm not a huge fan of Peaky Blinders just because I feel like it's repetitive and it's just the making of like a lad's lad here. So every guy walks down the street thinking they're in Peaky Blinders since that show came out. It, it the very The first episode kind of felt like It was that, basically. I did like that there was more emphasis on certain relationships. We're not going to have any spoilers here, because those are still going to watch it. Thank you, But there is a lot more... Yeah?
1: Did they change Scrooge's sister name from Fanny to Lottie, because Fanny's not a good word there?
2: Probably. Yeah. I
1: watched it, and I was like, that's not Scrooge's sister's name.
2: Yeah. They did... What I really appreciated about them most is they did, like... A deep dive into some of the relationships that you don't get to see in any adaptation of a Christmas Carol yeah um, the three hours are fully much... worth it yeah they just build
1: deep... so deeply
2: exactly and like the first one that they did was a deeper dive into Scrooge and Marley's relationship there's only one Marley in this so it's Jacob Marley uh they do more of a deep dive into their past working together which was very much needed and I've always thought it was was needed to be shown as reference because they don't really touch on it. They're just like, "Hey, we did bad stuff together. Now you're gonna be haunted." And they never really, <laughs> they never really like went into like, "Well, what happened? What did they do? What was so bad?" Um, it felt
1: much more like there were consequences for actions in this because we got to see every action, and again, kind of relevant for the time that we're in because it wasn't just their personal actions like sure in every christmas carol we get scrooge's effects on bob Cratchit's family and mm. that's like the big heart hitting moment first also tiny tim in this the cutest tiny tim i oh have ever god. seen oh my god break I wanted your to just goddamn pick him heart up and
2: take him home i love oh no tiniest he tim he, he is cuter the, than the tim. tiny tim in the muppets <gasps> like actually cuter and he was a real person so i was just like i want to just i want to take you home But if he was my child, I would just never let him leave the house.
1: But they do get into how, like, Scrooge and Marley is a, it's a corporation. And they deal in big business, they deal in big trading. So they show you the consequences of every life that was touched by them. Like, in A Christmas Carol, Marley references that his chains are made from every life that they've ruined. But, like, this is the first time that we get to see every life that was ruined because of them and i think relevant given kind of at least where we are in the u.s in the handling of this virus Mm -hmm. where finance is coming over health and corporate negligence there there's definitely a really good introspective moment there of seeing the longer lasting effects and the the wider effects of one person's deeds and actions
2: yeah definitely and i'm really glad that like it almost felt like it was marley's arc just as much as it was scrooge's story i love that marley's whole really arc nice.
1: was the more pagan Yule Tide traditions of christmas like being amongst yeah. the spirits he is one of them and we get to see that world of spirit the only time we've ever really gotten that was muppets christmas where we see what the world of spirits is like but they really, I liked having the one ghost that shifts. Like, his shifting presence. Yeah. Rather than yes, just being, like, a singular, like,
2: it, it me! It, like, went into different characters from his past. One of which oh, was cool. Ali Baba, because that was, like, Scrooge's favorite character to read. And it was played by Nandor from What We Do in the Shadows. Um, oh. I say Nandor as, like, that's obviously not his real name. His name is Caden novak he's always an adult to me, him. but he was amazing as alibaba because this first like serious role i've ever seen him in and at first i was like oh my god this is gonna be really cringy because i don't know if he can do serious because before what we did in the shadows he did a lot of just comedy tv here so i was like how is he gonna be serious but it's kind of like when you watch sasha Baron cohen being um sweeney todd like you find ah. out they can actually act so, it was a nice little moment there.
1: Everything about that mini series is heartbreaking. Like, to get more of an understanding of Scrooge and to get more of an understanding of the whole Cratchit family, we get more than just the, the glimpse that Scrooge gets.
2: And you get more of a focus on Mary Cratchit than you do on Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit's hardly involved, really, in yeah. this. It's all about Mary Cratchit. My god. Again, not spoiling, but just like what he does to her is just and her involvement in the whole thing i was like wow i've never seen her even mentioned as for like more than a second
1: but they also go the extra mile to not give scrooge like at the end of every christmas car- carol you get the god bless us everyone and everyone is mm-hmm. happy and scrooge is with the marleys and with his nephew there's no forgiveness in this he doesn't go yeah. on oh. to do the happily ever after and his whole reconciling is not for forgiveness it's just be better
2: yeah it was the most realistic ending of a christmas carols like that's what actually would happen afterwards people wouldn't instantly just be like oh you brought round a turkey and he's nice now yay they'd be like uh stay the fuck away from me do you know who you are because they don't know what he's been through
1: it tim even has a nice moment is this what happens when people drink too much laudanum I'm like, good on you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my God. Good, get him, drag him.
2: It was a, it was nice. I mean, obviously Christmas Carol is like quintessential Christmas ghost story. And there, sh- there needs to be more Christmas ghost stories.
1: There are so many to read. People just don't adapt them.
2: Well, yeah. And then the wrong people try and adapt them. Uh, I am going to make a quick shout out to a film that was in our festival this year scared for your life it's called keep mum it was my hunted film we each chose seek out in the abyss of the internet a film that they wanted to be in the festival and um, to compete for the hunted award and i was so lucky to find keep mum which is by another british woman in horror which was like my aim and i was like i'm never gonna find a british woman in horror movie at all um and I did. So that's by Luana de Pascual. Did I say that properly? I believe. Okay. And it's just this beautiful, haunting, short ghost story. And I know it's not like available to the public. It's still in the festival circuit. But anyone who was lucky enough to... Look at me saying lucky enough. It's our festival. But no, our festival is rad. <laughs> um, anyone who was lucky enough to have watched Scared for Your Life would agree that Keep Mom was just such a a beautiful, haunting Christmas tale and anyone who sees it pop up at another festival go and follow them on instagram if you we've tagged them at some point on our instagram so look for our instagram find them and keep up with where keep mom is going to be played next because it's it's very much worth checking out
1: i mean that is a positive turn of the way things have gone most of these festivals are going virtual so you will have more of a chance to access something like that And Luana and her team are phenomenal at promoting this film. You could sign up for a mailing list and they'll tell you everything that's happening with it as far as what publicity it's getting, what festivals it's playing at, which ones are virtual, which ones are physical, which awards they've won. So I definitely recommend keeping up with her and the entire journey that this film is going on because I definitely think with the amount that it's being picked up for festivals and stuff, you'll get a chance to see it.
2: Oh man, I'm done. That's all I wanted to say.
0: I watched one more that I, that I really enjoyed that was a uh, fucking bummer by my guy, Paco Plaza. Uh, he's the writer and director for the Wreck series. Ah. He had a Christmas horror movie come out that I didn't know about because it was a made-for-TV movie in Spain, which was Cuento de Navidad, which is Story of Christmas. That
2: came up on a list I found and I couldn't find it anywhere to watch it.
0: Oh man, it was—it's so good. It's like a naughtier, nice tale about a bunch of like, like actual children that find a woman dressed as Santa in a pit in the forest. They find out that she is wanted, and the the reward is for two million dollars. So they confer and they try to think about and decide like what to do with her, and they do sort of like a, a Silence of the Lambs style. Where they like, they fuck with her while she's in the hole. And they just accrue so much bad karma that eventually comes around to bite them in the ass. And I just, it I, I thought it was so, so good. I wish it was more holiday themed other than the fact that it happens around Christmas and then there is a Santa suit involved. But if you can track it down, de- definitely watch it. Holy shit. Sounds awesome. And the, 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 the kids are great. The kids are so good. Cause like at the end of the day, like even like the the nastiest one of them, like they're still kids. Like they they're innocent. They don't really fully understand the consequences of what they're doing, and it it makes the uh, the rest of it just like oh so much more upsetting, and it hits that much harder. Very very good. Love this guy. He's you know Paco Plaza, just one one of my guys. I love his stuff.
1: I watched one more film that um, I could have or could not have mentioned and the world would remain the same. But in my Krampus dig, I found Vikings vs. Krampus.
0: And we're not watching that right now because... I It wasn't the worst
1: thing I've seen for like as low of a budget as it was. Actually, let me double check that because I thought that the other Krampus movie was low budget and it turned out it had 8 million dollars. But like for an indie film with a Krampus character, it was very interesting. And they did a uh, a physical effects Krampus. I thought that I was going to turn it off sooner than I did. Uh, I ended up watching the whole thing and I don't regret it.
0: All right. Yeah. Please don't be like 10 million. If, it, if
1: it's 10 million dollars, then I regret everything. Oh, apparently it has a second name and it goes by Pagan Warrior. Come again. Let's just do a real quick budget check here. No, I'm not finding anything on the budget here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they
0: made it for zero. That's crazy.
1: I think I'm all tapped out. You guys, anything else? How about our fear of the day? All right. Get ready, because our fear of the day is syngenesophobia.
2: Is it fear of bids?
0: No.
1: It is related to the holidays. I think a lot of what we well, touched what on today Christmas. and the... Uh, Christmas
2: beard.
0: It's the fear of having your chestnuts roast on an open fire. No, although that is a horrifying thought. Don't want to get those chestnuts singed. I don't even remember the name of the fear anymore. Tell us what it is.
1: Singed It is the fear of social interactions with your relatives. It's more of an anxiety than a phobia, but it is
0: definitely relevant to the holidays. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Oh, I have it. I feel it now. (laughs) Damn. That hit hard. Ah, yo, y'all got some uh, recommendations for today?
2: I do. (laughs) Finally. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I decided to come prepared with my recommendation today. Um, You came
0: in hot today.
2: So I remembered a film that isn't necessarily a Christmas film, but it does have a Christmas segment. Again, I'm going with an anthology, because I'm just obsessed with anthologies at the moment. But it's called Dead of Night. It's a British anthology from 1945. And the interesting thing about this is, obviously, it was during the war. And horror films were actually banned from being made during the war in the uk at all so they got round this by putting slight elements of comedy in it to pass it through the rating system just because they were so desperate to make this film happen so that's super ending, interesting backstory on it this anthology is so good it's on martin scorsese's top five scariest horror films of all time Ooh. alfred hitchcock based the end scene of psycho on directly from this movie Um, double whoa because the ending of one of the segments of dead of night um which is all about a sort of killer ventriloquist dummy ends with exactly the same scene as the ending of psycho where he's in the asylum and he's talking in his mother's voice that's directly from dead of night where he's the guy's talking in a ventriloquist dummy's voice but there's a really cool segment called the christmas party and basically it's about this girl that's playing a sort of hide and seek type game with her relatives at christmas and she finds this boy in one of the rooms and because there's so many relatives she just thinks it's like another one of the relative's kids and he's telling her about how scared he is because he thinks that his half-brother is coming after him and is going to kill him she comforts him and gives him a hug and is like don't worry come play and then later finds out that the boy wasn't there and years ago there had been a little boy who died in that house who had been killed by his half-brother so it's like a really nice little christmas ghost story in there and the cool thing is that it was actually based on a real murder from 1890 where a little boy had been killed by his half-brother and it was still big news back then so they directly made this little segment based on that overall it's, just, it's a really good anthology and i know british horror films can be really hard to find in the u.s but um bfi which is the british film institute uh one of my favorite organizations ever they've just made their streaming service available to the us and there's a seven day free trial at the moment i really recommend trying it five dollars 99 a month after that but even just for the the trial just to watch dead of night and like the array of amazing bfi films definitely recommend getting a free trial i'm not in any way endorsed by bfi i just freaking love bfi (laughs) i would love that (laughs) no bfi is like one of i I go on about it to anthony all the time there's being a very important thing, and because they have the IMAX theater here, which is very close by to me in London, and that's where we have all our cool like cinema exhibitions and really cool little cinema shop there. And one of my friends is a projectionist for the BFI as well, so it's it's very homely organization. So go check it out. Nice. Sorry, I told you all that was long.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's good. I learned a lot, and I'm excited now. <laughs> that sounds awesome.
1: Those. So, so what do you got?
0: My recommendation is something from 2007 that I it, have never heard of. It flew way under my radar. And it's called Wind Chill with Emily Blunt. I so
2: want to watch this film. It sounds really good.
0: This? Yeah, I I can't believe I hadn't heard of it before. Uh, but it's a British film uh, with a four-person cast about uh, a guy and a girl who are credited as the guy and the girl are going home for uh, from university for the holidays and they don't know each other but he offers her a ride and and she accepts and it becomes very apparent that he does know her has been following her around and is using this as sort of trying to fabricate a romantic gesture in in order to be in a car with her for six hours and it flips and it flops and it's got supernatural elements and i don't want to say too too much uh but it is it goes back to the core uh, of a christmas ghost story it's it's very very good uh that's windchill
2: i'm so annoyed it's british and i can't find it anywhere to watch here
0: it didn't get good reception and i don't know why it's like beyond the scope of like a classic horror fan's interest and it's beyond the scope of like a casual watcher would go to so it sits in a weird sort of middle ground that it just didn't get good traction
1: that seems to be a pretty common trend with ghost stories though because they're always the slow burn they don't quite move the way that people want a horror film to and they don't quite pack the gore or scares that horror films do so like i get it it's unfortunate but it's like comes with the territory of every ghost story film i've seen it doesn't make me love them any less so yeah do you have one for us uh i'm gonna hit y'all with the twofer uh this is my uh gift to you the first one is K W A I D O N. And it is a series of Japanese ghost stories. Like I just said, with all ghost stories, it's a slow, slow burn, but it's an anthology. So, you know, every 10 minutes you're getting something new. And these are ghost stories, not like what we're accustomed to getting in most traditional horror and most traditional cinema. It's a bit older. So all the effects are practical, but some of the ghost effects are done with like layered film which is a really nice thing to go back and see. So I definitely recommend Kaidan. The reason I recommend it specifically during the holiday season is because uh, there's a segment called Woman in the Snow, and it is a bone-chilling ghost story Japanese horror. Definitely recommend watching at least that
0: segment. I am in. I am yeah. in. Yes. Like,
1: they do some really great makeup on her, and it's not anything like gory or scary. They just make her ice cold. She looks like a corpse, And she is like this lingering ghost horror throughout the rest of this character's quote unquote life.
0: Great. Can't wait to see it. Cannot wait. Uh,
1: My second recommendation, it is not holiday themed in any way, but I really desperately want everybody to see this film and talk about this film and i would love to do an episode on it the mortuary collection oh, it yes. is so one of good. the greatest films i've ever seen if this were the only film that i got to watch for the rest of my life i'm okay with that
0: i'll get to it oh my god all right <laughs> it's an anthology You're wearing me down it's
1: um the ghost story in the anthology is insanely good one of the most haunting visual effects i've seen I don't know. I can't praise this film
0: enough. I would love to do a deep dive on it.
2: Yeah, I think we're definitely gonna have to do an episode on that because there's, there's a lot to be said. We'll to see.
0: That. Well, two two quick things before the end here. Uh, fucking skip Santa Jaws, which uh, is it wishes it was Velocipaster with every fiber of its being. I forgot you watched that. Oh no! So bad. Fucking awful. They're trying to ride the pun of, of Santa Jaws and it just falls so, so flat. You, how dare you stand where he stood? You know, you know what I mean? And also holiday specials of Creepshow and Joe Bob Briggs uh, with Joe Bob Saves Christmas come out this month. So can't wait for those. Oh, Watch yeah. those on shutter It'll be fun. Yeah. So that that's my, my little wholesome bit to, to wrap up this <laughs> <laughs> macabre drudgery of, of horrible holiday horror All right, well, thank you guys for tuning into the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I am Doza.
1: I'm Anna. Haunted Holidays.
0: And to all a good fright.